welcome to the season four finale of Performing the Arts. I can't believe I made 40 episodes so far. Uh, thank you for those who keep on watching. Thank you those who keep on listening. Uh, thank you those who actually now have seen the website and www.thepta.com. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Thepta.show.com. Yeah. And that's a good, good domain. It's a good domain. <laughs> I know. As you can see, this is my, this is today's guest, uh, Anthony Noto. Uh, I worked with him and and his. My dog Ernie is refusing not to play fetch today. He must play. <laughs> he must play. I work. Unfortunately, my missus is watching one of her favorite shows in the bedroom. So I'm in the living room and she said, the dog wants to be with you. So I got the dog, even though I have to do this very important interview, which I invited myself to, by the way. I'm a little embarrassed about that. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm happy when people actually invite themselves. I, so I don't have I was to, like, so I just Brian, don't, have to don't you want to talk to me for your, for your online show about actors yes. and creative types? <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> I actually worked with Anthony a couple. What was it? A couple of years ago? No, it was a few years ago. Twenty eighteen. Uh, Twenty eighteen. So three, yeah. almost three years ago, he directed <clears throat> Much Ado About Nothing. I played the role of Burgess, and it was a very small role. And I don't, I didn't have to do that much, and I didn't have to say that much, but it was more about the performance and the comedy. And right. and being directed by him was a great joy because, you know, it took me a while to actually figure out how to actually do Shakespeare, because when you do Shakespeare, it's, uh, as I said, a whole different beast just by doing yes. everything. And what you do- You, did, you did great. You, I, you. I know it was a small role, but you played the heck out of it and you were wonderful. And Thank I you. was one of the great joys of, I don't know, the past couple of years, past several years, I would say was directing that show and you were a part of it. So thank you for, for being a part of it. And, and you were amazing. I actually, I loved everybody in that cast. Everybody was a joy. You had Stephanie, who was my Beatrice in one yeah. of your previous episodes. And um, Matt Leonard, who was the lead, uh, Benedict who was uh, also in the film, which I hope to talk about a little bit in the yes, next 30 uh, minutes. Or so. <laughs> and, and Danny Beaton, who is your, you were his sidekick for, yeah, I, uh, I, in, in that play. I, and he was also in the, in the short film as well. Yeah, I remember actually going to auditioning for uh, Much Ado, and I was like, you know, I'm probably not gonna hear anything, it's Shakespeare, I'll, I'll just try my best. And, I remember it was like, oh, it's like, what other roles would you want to do? And I wrote down Dogberry or Virgis. I'm like, and I was like, you got it. Yeah, I was like, it's weird because, you know, I think he told me it's like, no one actually uses, no one actually, uh, no one actually put down in their thing is like, they want to play either Dogberry or Virgis. So, and the thing about, which Virgis, is a, with the, and they're great parts. Like, oh yeah, um, you know, in the in the Kenneth Branagh version, um, they were their scenes are so funny, and in the Josh Whedon version, um, they're very, they're they're great parts, and you you did a great audition, and I was happy you were part of it. That whole experience was fun, and if anybody listening out there doesn't 
doesn't know the joys of performing Shakespeare in a park, I suggest you get on that because it's a great it's a great joy. Oh yeah. Uh, so I, I do have a question about uh, a question. Uh, how did you actually get into a working relationship with Brooklyn One Productions, the people behind the Shakespeare in the, in the park in Bay Ridge? That's a quick story, basically. So I, I uh, got involved with a group called Dialogue with Three Chords, which is run by um, uh, one of my brother's best friends uh, named Michael Laporto. He became my friend. And his colleague, Stephen Gracia, writes a, a play a month. And it's this wonderful punk rock, shoestring, basement theater, um, a new play every month you can go. And it's like this rotating band of actors who all um, get involved. We all go and support each other. And it's so much fun. And who was there one day was Anthony Marino. And um, I, we just hit it off. You know, we're both named Anthony. And he was, hey, he said, basically said, I got this theater company. Um, we're looking to do more shows in Bay Ridge. Why don't you come along and see what we're up to? And we just became friends. And I've worked with them on and off ever since. That was, had to have been like, gosh, I want to say 2013. Wow. 2012, maybe. That's when I met them. So it's been a while and he's been, a, he's been a great collaborator ever since. And I got to do some fun stuff with him. I did, we did Shakespeare in the Park. Uh, we did uh, Bachelorette, and which was a really good play. Um, they made a movie out of it with um, uh, uh, Kirsten Dunst and uh, Will Ferrell produced it. Some people are familiar with the movie, not the reality TV show, that's different. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I, I, was like, I, I, I saw you're like, what? What? The reality TV show? No, it was, it's a play. It's actually a really good play. Uh, Nick Allier was the director. She was really great. Um, I had a lot of fun with that. And so when the sixth annual Shakespeare Festival was on deck, the plan was to do much ado about nothing. And I asked Anthony, I have an idea for it what do you say if i direct and he was kind enough to say yes and and that's that and it was really wonderful because i interviewed so many talented people interviewed i auditioned so many talented people and i got to cast them all i didn't have to well, tell anybody to go home which was such a relief for a first-time director i don't i would never i don't think i would have the heart to tell anybody they don't have a part you know yeah it's Definitely uh, one of those things is uh, I tried my hand directing a few years ago. It didn't pan out because of reasons. And most of the, and most of the time is literally like you see a lot of great people. You see a lot of potential and then you see, okay, maybe these two people, because, you know, or maybe these three people could be that type of potential that you need to have to be on the stage because. Yes. And, and as you know, what's funny is I, one of your other previous guests, Ariel Marcus, I, I know her from an audition that I went on for a play for um, Reasons to be Pretty. For, it was a play that was being produced on Staten Island at the Seaview Playwrights. And I had never actually had a conversation with her in person other than that uh, audition room. But we, our paths crossed like, you know, in email or whatever and, and virtually. And 
I, she, we, we did a scene together, the big dramatic blow up between the, um, uh, the male lead and the female lead. And I was in the play, she didn't get in, but she, she was awesome in this scene. And I was like, man, I would love to work with her again. And we never got the chance, but she went off and did her own thing. The um, women's Shakespeare, playwright collective. Women's right, the women's playwright, playwright, playwright collective. And shout out to them. Shout out to them. And and that's pretty much how people work. You know, they they go off and they start producing their own stuff because they have the wherewithal to do so. And she was super talented. And I uh, wish we got to act together again, but we stayed in touch, like over social media, or whatever. But. Um, she was super talented and that's goes to what you were saying. Like, you know, you never know who might have chemistry, who might click in a certain scene. And, um, yeah, I thought when I did the scene with her, it was just, it was so much fun. It, it's weird because I was just thinking about this today too, is that theater and or rather the entertainment world in general is such a small world, you know, at least someone somewhere that could easily be, you know, in one play, and then you go work another play, maybe as a stage hand, or maybe as, you know, such and such. And then you could probably find the same person working the same play, working that same play, you go, hey man, you know, I, I was just, I, you know, it's, it's weird, you know, it's, I was just thinking about the play that we just did a few years, like maybe a few years ago, um, which one was that? Like maybe the Devil's Dance or something like that. And then it was like, oh, I'm like, oh okay. And then. Yeah, it's a super small world. I mean, yeah, you never know who you're going to run into in the audition room. And unfortunately, the past two years, there was no theater going on. So I don't think anybody anybody has experienced that in, in the past year and a half, and which is, un, which is unfortunate and sad. But uh, once things get back up and running again, we're gonna know the joys of going to an audition and then hopefully getting the part. And if not, you know, just seeing our friends in the audition room and, you know, getting to collaborate yeah, I, on other fun stuff. I, it's like, it's weird because I've dealt with people who are definitely like, uh, who who really do miss being in the theater room, who really do miss that energy. You know, I'm working with a great set of people, you know, uh, the Alliance of Creators, who I just had on the show recently and, each of them I known for college, and each of them are great to work with. And it's it's very sad that I cannot be in a room physically with them, you know, at least time until all this stuff with coronavirus and stuff like that has like gotten away, all that stuff. And you know, at least at least marginally has gone down considerably. So yeah, it's definitely one of those things I do miss being in a room and I do miss like the, the, the thrill of auditioning in front of a director who may know the role by heart and may have already been pre pricked you know, it, you know, it's, there's no qualms about it. You know, directors have in the past pre-plicked, uh, pre-plicked, pre-selected people you know, yeah, pre-casted. Yeah, pre-casted, yeah. and, and auditions are just for formality. You know, it's something. I that hate that. There's yeah. one thing I hate is it's I hate that. But sometimes it's unfortunately necessary. But yeah, especially because um, you want to, you want to work with your friends sometimes, and yeah. you just pull people in. It's about finding your team. I once took this seminar 
from um, a website called Stage 32. If anybody out there is interested in screenwriting, um, it's, a, it's a really good website to um, test your material in these little screenwriting contests. And it's a good way to meet like industry professionals or whatever, Stage 32. And they offer these seminars sometimes with people in the industry. And I took one with um, a director named Frank Stiefel. He won an Oscar um, for best documentary short one year. And so I was like, I wanna hear what this guy has to say because he put things together on a shoestring budget and he just went and shot his short film and he took it as far you can go with it, which is the Academy Awards. And I remember I, I asked one of the questions, um, I was like, well, how do you, like when you're first getting started, what's that like? And he, he you know, they read him the question because he can't hear me or see me, but he basically goes, you have to find your band. And that really struck me. He goes, it's like finding your, your rock band and people you can play with and, ja and you know, basically improvise with and people who are going to be there with you when you need them. Yeah. And um, it makes perfect sense. And it reminded me of this scene from um, the movie, That Thing You Do. Remember, did you ever see that movie? Yeah. There's a scene where Shades is talking with the, with the jazz musician and he's like griping. He's like, I want you know, I'm in this band, we got this one hit wonder and the name of the band was the wonders, which I thought was cool. But he, in the guy he's talking to this, this, you know, veteran jazz musician was like, man, I've been with some great bands that never made it past one night. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he goes, then I've been with guys who I've played with for years and we just know each other in, in and out. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a metaphor because, um, you know, there's so many projects that we look to get started on and we want to bring in our friends. And sometimes, you know, those projects don't pan out or they, you know, they, they, they stall over and over again. Yeah. And so the, the, and it doesn't mean that the people you brought in are not talented or whatever. It's just, sometimes it doesn't work. You have yeah. to find people where you can really gel with and, you know, Dialogue with Three Chords is, is one of those situations. You know, Michael and Steven, they're the director playwright team. Yeah. And uh, Edie Nugent is their producer and she's been producing their stuff for like six years now. So I think, no way. I, I, they're, they're close to like 10 years now. Oh, wow. And yeah, they've been going forever. They've been doing play readings in um, Greenwich Village. Then they did play readings in the East Village. And they've been doing things via Zoom, just like everybody else, um, trying to keep the, the art alive yeah. during these, this, these crazy, crazy years that we've been trapped in, these Groundhog Day moments. Last year and a half. And, really. Yeah, and, and the same thing with uh, Anthony Marino with Brooklyn One. I mean, that's the same coterie of strangers that keeps coming in and out. And we all know each other, we, we gel. And we, we've done some pretty good plays together. And, yeah. and that's the thing, you have to find the right collaborators. So when it came time to do um, this short film, for example, I was like, let me pull in the people that I know could you know, really work and, and that I have good chemistry with. Cause I was in it, I played a part. And yeah, the fact that I got to, yeah, I'll ask you, I was going to ask you about the film in a couple of moments, so, but go ahead. Yeah, well, the, the, just to wrap it up, the point is, like, I, I brought in um, Matt Leonard, who I knew I could do a scene with without a problem, because he and I, um, 
you know, not only are we friends, but we've acted together in the past and I knew we could make it work. And uh, Danny Beaton was there. And um, my friend, John, who is the DP, John Carrera, uh, we've worked together in the past. And uh, Julie Orcas, who is the actress in the film, uh, the, the main actress, I knew her from Dialogue with Three Chords. And so I needed an actress who spoke Russian. I didn't know she spoke Russian. And I called Michael Laporto and he was like, why don't you just cast Julie? She speaks Russian. And I was like, of course. So I called her. So it was like another, another collaborator from a past project, you know, worked with me on this. And uh, of course, last but not least was my missus, Tess, who is a producer and, and had a walk-on role. And she's the one who, uh, kept a close eye on everything and it was just a, a super fun experience you make yeah. your own work just like Rachel just not Rachel um, Ariel did Ariel Marcus she made her own project like yeah, she, uh, she went out and did her own thing uh, a few years like yeah a couple of well, yeah a few years ago uh, when it was like a couple of months after we did uh, uh, much ado I was in Brooklyn College you know, I just... Yeah, you were in that film course. Didn't you take a yeah, film I class? Yeah, I took a film class. And the first thing we had to do was essentially make a... Well, not the first thing. Uh, one of the first projects we had to do was essentially a uh, short one, like two-minute scene or something like that. I go sound. And, and I asked uh, Nikki, who I knew from, uh, you know, Brooklyn One, all that stuff. And she said, oh, yeah, you know, you know, no problem. But she was like one of the only people who actually reached out to me and actually said, oh yeah, no problem. I could easily you know, come out to Brooklyn and you know, do all that stuff, right? What was the scene? So you had to film the scene yourself? Yeah, uh, with my group, we actually had to film inside uh, the Brooklyn College Library. We first had to get- Oh, how cool. Yeah, and then essentially we had to create a scene that was essentially, hey, you know, guy passes over a note to a girl and then essentially, you know, make do what, what that, you know, some, some classmates made it into a psychological thriller. Some classmates made it into a uh, a comedy. We made it into a romantic, uh, a, a short romantic moment between this guy okay. who had crushed with this girl, and then he leaves the library, and the girl's like, "Who is this mysterious guy?" And he just happens to leave. So it's definitely, and of course, what you were just saying before it actually makes sense because the people who I was working with, I was gelling with them, probably, you know. Quite clearly. So even if I had something in the future that I needed to do, i.e. with another film thing, I would be like, hey, these are the people who I worked with before. They may help me. And of course, yeah. when the uh, finals came around to do, oh, hey, you know, now it's time to do all this stuff by yourselves. You know, naturally, a lot of these people who were already working together, essentially start working together. So I actually headed up a uh, had to do essentially pulling from my own resources and that allowed me to actually make my own short movie to something what you just said before again where yeah. i had pulled my resources to people who i knew and people who i knew could help me with that and yeah it's like when you make a short film or at least something the you know film film wise you go with the people who you knew who, who you know because one they are effective workers and yeah. they know what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Well, and it does also doesn't mean just working with like people, people who you know, people you know, about. not just your friend, 
you know, try to find people who are just better than you. Like I, for example, my buddy, John, who was the DP on this, he was just, he's just a master at cinematography. And he's also just an an amazing director all around. So he's the one who gave me my first job uh, doing storyboard art for short films and and commercials. And so he was like, uh, hey, you wanna do like storyboard art for me? And I was like, I didn't even know what a storyboard artist was. And so I, he gave me a shot and that I got, I've been hooked. That was like a little over 10 years ago, I think. And then when we, you know, we just stayed friends all these years, but even if we weren't friends and I, I saw his work, I'd be like, this is the guy who knows what he's doing. So the key to getting anything done is just work with people who, you know, are really good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like don't try to take everything on yourself and don't think that you're a master at everything. Find people who just are really smart and yes, know what they're and, doing. And, I, and sometimes in fact, it does end up being like your friends are actually more smarter than you think. And especially, yeah. especially friends who have been like shut out. Well, not shut out, but haven't given opportunities that they wanted in that field, especially in theater or in film. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but moving forward with the film, did you get this idea of this uh, short film from the stage thirty-two uh, short thing, or was it just something? That no, you- stage thirty-two is is just this platform that I I happen to get a newsletter from every now and then with advice on how to um, make it or whatever. But actually, one of the things that they do offer are lessons and. <clears throat> little seminars about how you can produce short films on a micro budget. Oh, really? And so maybe that's partially what inspired me was how to produce a film on literally nothing. Nothing. Like, yeah. okay, so we, you know, it was basically, um, you know, cause I had, I had worked on certain things before um, and it, it, I made a, a, an effort to get like expensive equipment. Yeah. And so, for example, one uh, documentary that I worked for, it didn't come out, it's, you know, but it was a job and I, I, I was tasked with finding the camera to use and I started researching and I, I, I watched the movie, uh, knock down the house. It's a documentary about, um, AOC. Yeah. And the, the, the director of that movie, was a, a woman named Rachel Lears. And I read this blog post that she wrote about how she used the Sony FS7. So I was hmm. like, okay, look, the, I'll, movie, I'll looked, look the movie looked amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up, I'll rent that. And we'll use that for the documentary because if it was good enough for this documentary that I loved on Netflix, heck, that's the one I wanna work with. Yeah. But when you rent these expensive cameras, you're spending some money, even if you rent them. And if you buy them, it's even more expensive and you have to take insurance out on it too, whether you rent it or buy it. And they credit that back to you, but it's still, it's, it's costs a lot of money for a weekend. And if you're trying to produce your indie short on a budget, that might not be the option. Yeah. So, or the best option. So what you do, just pull out your smartphone 
and we used our smartphones and we didn't even have the best uh, iPhone cameras. We had the XS Max or something like that. And the iPhone, what are we up to, 11? Yeah, uh, iPhone 11X, I think, maybe, I'm not sure. Yeah, so that came out like a few months later. And so we didn't even use the, the best cameras available, but the cameras are pretty darn good on, yeah. um, on the Sometimes. So we, we, I was like, why not? This is, let's just, let's just do it and see if it works. And it did. The, the shots really look gorgeous. Amazing, yeah, they, they, yeah. they do look Thank amazing. You. And I was actually gonna ask you, was like, how did you film the, the, the thing? Because a lot of it actually did feel very organic, like you actually were using like a handheld thing, but now hearing that it actually was like, say, an actual, you know, phone, and like, it, it, it makes the filming of it seem a lot more, okay, you know, it, like, like legitimately organic, because a lot of it does feel like a New York, not only a New York moment, but also just like, it's like yeah well that's exactly what it was brian it's it's it was pretty much without spoiling too much because it's not going to be on youtube for a while but uh, but maybe by the time this episode comes out it might be yeah and people will see it's if there's anything i could say about it, it's just a little love letter to new york and a, a specific corner of new york so the chess and checkers house in central park yeah i love okay. this spot it's very scenic and it's like a perfect place for a, a romantic uh, afternoon. Rendezvous. With, uh, yeah, rendezvous. Okay, so I did have a couple of questions about the filming. Uh, sure. This film before or after COVID had like started to come about in before. Before. Yeah. Okay. I, it so did feel we, like this. It did feel like it was filmed before, like way before. Yeah, October two thousand nineteen. Oh wow, and. Yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> it was a long time, but then what happened was COVID, mm -hmm. and I had to uh, find an editor, and because I did not have the the means or the know how to edit, I, I've edited certain things like uh, news items and um, a little music video uh, on my phone, but I'm 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 not an experienced editor, so I wanted to find one, and it, it was tough during COVID. But it worked out because there are things that are in the film that wouldn't have been there if I came out with it last year. Yeah. So I literally, it's the stuff that happened like in the last month. And it, if I went into it, like you would be like, oh, that's crazy. But it was actually like meant to be that it, it took this long to make it come out. Like I wouldn't have had the same music. I wouldn't have had the same editor. I wouldn't have had... Um, some of the shots in there that I have, yeah, it would have been a completely different film, and I don't, it might have been one that I didn't like as much. Oh yeah. Uh, so I'm I, it, the fact that it took a year and a half. That's fine. Like I'm yeah, cool that, with it. That, and plus, people that, need new entertainment anyway because not a lot of movies are coming out these days. Oh yeah. So it's it's only eight minutes, but it's a good eight minutes. I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, I was actually surprised to see how long it was too, because I was like, oh, it's a short film. It was like maybe it's probably like maybe 20, 25 minutes, and now we see about eight minutes. <laughs> Oh my God, eight minutes? Oh, like, I'll watch it, no problem. <laughs> yeah, no problem, eight minutes. Especially. Brian's like, I gotta sit through 20 minutes of this amateur shit. And <laughs> you're like, oh, eight, eight minutes I can do. That's not bad. Yeah, it's also, 
a person's attention span too, because because you've been because I would be watching a show on maybe on Netflix or HBO Max something like that. Yeah, I'd be like watching, and then suddenly my hand would just go to my phone, and then so I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. this show is going on way too way long. Too yeah. That's now, like, so what are you watching these days? What do you what do you enjoy? on HBO uh, Max, because I'm obsessed with HBO Max right now. I recently just finished watching Euphoria for the first time, because one, I hadn't got a chance to see it, because one, we haven't owned HBO in a long time. The last time we actually owned HBO when The Sopranos was on. Mm. The Sopranos was on, no more of HBO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh to uh, Showtime. So I had Showtime for the longest time. And then after, and then all I hear is like, oh, you, you're missing Game of Thrones. Missing, you know, all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't want to watch Game of Thrones. I got Seamus to watch, or I got Ray Donovan to watch. I'm sure. Yeah, there's so many shows to get there. Yeah, and then my brother was able to get HBO Max, and I was like, okay, we'll just try HBO Max. And then, uh, you know, I'm going through the shows, and there's Euphoria, and I'm like, okay, you know, one of my previous guests, uh, Hennessy, she mentioned that Euphoria has great cinematography and all that stuff, and I'm watching like the first episode. I'm like, oh my gosh, she was right. There was a lot of great cinematography in the show. And then, and I recently watched the two specials, which was actually filmed during the COVID thing. And the two specials were like legitimately watching two people on stage, just like talking back and forth because there's a lot of stuff in the first special just called Pot Run Rue, where it's just like. Yeah, the, the uh, Zendaya. Yeah. Yeah. I, Zendaya, I saw like. And I saw like a scene where she's like in the diner. Yeah, and I'm just watching. I'm like, I'm just so engaged by those two people just talking in, in a booth, and then I'm just like, you know, I'll be like, shit, how many people? Like, how much time is going by? Thirty minutes has gone by, and there's only like twenty minutes left. It's like it's like watching a play. It's like yeah, the moment you get watch like the moment a show has actually engaged you like that. It's like it's really really good. On Netflix, another great show was Bojack Horseman. Yeah, that's a Bojack, and that's an animated show. And you think, oh, it's an animated show; it's, it's got to be hilarious, all that stuff. But then you dig into a lot of things that that you know. There's a whole episode that's just basically one monologue, and then when you <laughs> monologue, that you know that episode that is just basically one monologue, you just go, oh my god, that's just amazing writing. Yeah, I haven't gotten that far. I think I'm on season two. Oh well, once you get barely, to- I think we just started. Oh, so we're 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 getting through that. We're right and, now. I'm into Shit's Creek, and, and uh, I'm really enjoying Shit's Creek. That's the show that I'm I've been killing, and uh, it's been great. Yeah, there's and there's actually and and this back to another point too, where it's like there's so much stuff to watch now, and then and a lot of the stuff that has been out or uh, you know has been been delayed or whatnot because of covid you know you know there's a lot more stuff that's been creating a new niche into entertainment which is essentially hey you know short movies that are that were made you know during covid or like a covid lockdown you know uh again zendire and john david washington just did a movie called malcolm marie for netflix and that was made during a two-week uh, production period of like California's first lockdown. Uh, HBO Max just released a movie called Lockdown. Production assistant or an yeah. assistant director. And that was it, it was only like four people and they tested, they, they got tested before they shot. 
And so that super small controlled set, they were able to shoot it in a, in a big house um, in a short amount of time and, and be safe. So yeah. it's kind of cool because um, we got we got a new movie out of it, and um, yeah, at a time when like a lot of stuff yeah. is on hold, and yeah. we, we that we've gone through all the shows that were on our watch list, you know. Yeah, uh, but yeah, speaking of, uh, but back to your film thing. Uh, now, filming in Central Park, did you have to go through some uh, thing to say, hey, I'm going to be filming at Central Park? Or do you need like a permit? Yeah, there, there's a film um, department where you have to go and get the go-ahead. Oh, wow. And I didn't want to shoot <laughs> guerrilla style or anything. So we, we, I went through the, the proper route to um, get permission. And they said that you only have to, you can only film during this window, which is before the Chess and Checkers house opens. Hmm. So I was like, oh, no. So then I'm like, I can do it. We can do okay. it. I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> and then I, um, I went early in the morning, like really early in the morning with uh, Jonathan. And he's like looking at the position of the sun. And he's like, well, if we shoot all these scenes here before 10 a.m., the sun will be there. And he was just, he was so cool. He was like, I taking out his binoculars and <laughs> so it was like he was just really smart with it and i'm just kidding there were no binoculars but like it was very scenic place where he can i was like it would be perfect to like just hang out here all day but we can't so we only have a limited window and yeah we got the scene done in a short amount of time they somebody came by and they were just you know checking on us and being like you guys gonna finish up around 10 a.m like, yeah. yeah, we'll finish up around 10 a.m. We, we went a little bit past 10 a.m. because the scenes that we were able to shoot weren't that intrusive or whatever. We were just shooting yeah. on a on the iPhone. We had like a little handheld thing to keep it steady. And, you know, it's just like B-roll stuff and like shots that we didn't need sound. So uh, we I think we went to like 10.30 or 11 o'clock. And um, that's it. Uh, I gave them so, a little like thank you in the in the credits and because it they were just so accommodating. If anybody wants to film somewhere, Central Park is a great spot. Yeah, the Central Park is a great spot because I you know I I was a student at college a few years ago and one of the things about around the area of the Upper East Side there's really nothing to do outside of going through Central Park and. You could only go through Central Park or the museums there without going, okay, what else is there to do? Because it's it, outside of maybe Central Park, there's really not that much to do around that area because it's it's so like it's so catered to you know people who are essentially rich and stuff like that. And yeah, and go through Central Park, no matter the day or the holiday or restrictions, but not it's always so fun to do. It's like I would go out, it's like I remember going through think no the 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 not the natural history museum the the art museum there and then after the day was done i went through the art museum i was like you know what i have it's central park there i'm gonna actually go through central park and yeah and i just start walking central park and then i start walking and then i just start pick up a pace start running i actually start becoming one of those joggers in central park just route realizing it <laughs> and then by, <laughs> by the time i was out of the central park I was like did i just blaze through central park like it was nothing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Central Park, the Central Park has that one has that New York effect about it, where it's just like even if you are filming in Central Park, 
it's just so magical to be in there rather yeah. than oh man i'm in central park it's it's the perfect backdrop it's yeah. just um, i could i can kill you know a whole day in there and without you know thinking twice it's just it's such a you can just wander and just relax and there's so much to see and it's there's it's one of the best aspects too. of manhattan there's that duck pond too where it's just yeah like, and but yeah uh but filming in central park even with that small time period or time window uh how was it only just for the one day or was it just like a couple of days no it was just uh the majority was just one day um I went back another day to film the last scene, which is uh, three years later. Yeah. And so that I went back and filmed myself. And um, yeah, so I guess a matter of two days, but there were other days leading up to it where it was technically- Like pre-production, all that stuff, so yeah. Yeah, like I went and scouted out the Chess and Checkers house. Yeah. And I took photos and I, I set up what I thought were going to be the shots I wanted. And so you have to do that. Otherwise, you waste everybody's time the day of. And yeah. And of course. Uh, so, yeah. Now, I'm and of course, there's writing, too. You have to I rewrote the story and I rewrote the story. And yeah. Believe me, as a writer, you know, as both a, as both a playwright and a screenwriter, it's like so hard for me to write just a single word without me second guessing myself. So yeah, it, it, it's a process, especially when you're trying to do yeah. a short movie. Uh, now, as a, a th with you directing on theater, and now directing with uh, short film wise, what was your process like? Did you see the same process where it was just like? Okay, I like this whole process. Or was it like two different processes for you? Was it basically like doing a play and then and doing the film? Yeah, it's a similar process because we had like little rehearsals and um, read-throughs and and that yeah. sort of thing. So in that sense, it's pretty similar. So you just we just got together and read through the script, and it was almost like getting together and script reading with your friends when when you'd put on a play. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I guess the last question I have about your thing was that I really didn't realize it would be a, a, a short film about chess and the Queen's Gamut, which a, a show I really love just came out on Netflix a few months ago. Uh, was that like something intentional to do to do to release something that's like almost coming off the, you know, coming hot off the heels of a very popular- Yeah, you know, it's so funny. That's the one thing I worried about. I was like, cause I wrote it before I even knew what the Queen's Gambit was. I actually haven't watched it yet. And it's funny. It's like, oh, I hope people don't think that, but it's not. It was just, um, you know, we filmed in 2019. I didn't even know what, what if Queen's Gambit was a, a, even a book at that time. And, um, but it, apparently it's been in, uh, production for like 10 years yeah it but, uh, no I mean I actually I heard wonderful things about that show I can't wait to watch it but um, yeah I mean chess I, I think chess is just back thanks to Queen's Gambit so maybe maybe it'll be a good thing that um, people can enjoy this chess story on you know when they see it on the web hmm. because they're familiar with it with the show I heard that um, stores were selling out of chess sets yeah, because the show was so popular. Yeah, I think it's like when you release, it has a great uh, effect on everything. 
chances are there's going to be something that ends up essentially outselling the actual product itself and it ends up just being like a minor product it could be like i remember yeah. the matrix came out there were people who wanted to get like orange coats i mean neo warriors or maybe even the phones that they used in the thing and of course you know the more people who buy the product based on the the media you know the medium ends up outselling outselling the medium so yeah uh yeah and then uh, yeah that's it for the questions with the movie <laughs> well I, I did want i did want to ask about the was the name intentional was the name intentional for that twist at the end or was that just something that you just like or was that something that you just kind of like wrote at the end of the post-production period where it's just like hey you know i had this idea for a thing i won't call it what it is yet or you know or was it i'm not gonna tell you <laughs> uh it's whatever you think um i don't know i want to set that precedent early on i don't really um want to explain too much it's however you felt at after watching it yeah it's i honestly think it, it was probably something that and you know if and of course i like the high uh, like the idea that you don't use uh you know subtitles for the russian character because you know if you have the subtitles on we easily know what's going on right so, again, like like anybody else in living in new york who doesn't like speak another language when you're hearing another language you don't know exactly what you're trying to say or what the you know, person who else is trying to say so you kind of like yeah so I did like the, the end where you know your your character is just like, hey, would you want my number or something like that? And then you're trying to turn on your phone, your phone doesn't work, and then you're trying to ask, you know, the park ranger right next to you is like, can't get all that stuff. And then while you're just trying to do that, you know, she's just like, she's trying to tell you something, but and but I, I a twist at the yeah, end. but it's you know, it's like uh, technology failed him, you know, and. You know, at the end of the day, it's like he just you know, resorted to old-fashioned way of communicating. Um, he didn't, you know, there was the language barrier, but they were still able to enjoy each other's company and have a good time, and that was the big takeaway. And I've been in those situations in my life where, like, perhaps you're in another country and you don't speak the language so well. But you can bond in other ways, and so yes. that that was basically what the you know why I didn't include subtitles because in real life there are no subtitles. Oh yeah, you kind of you're in those situations you're lost in translation, right. unless like, you're in another language. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and right. and they and she and if you notice in the movie Lost in Translation when he's sort of this um, stranger in a in a foreign land, he. Yeah. There was no subtitles in that movie either. Yeah, it's because you're about, you're in his shoes. You're in his shoes, and you're in um, Scarlett Johansson's shoes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I and mean, we can still, you know, it's it's things are improving. I think I'm going to be optimistic about it. I think the right people are in charge now, and uh, before we know it, we're we're going to be okay. Yeah, it's the fourth quarter, and COVID is on the bench. If we just continue to be safe and up to code, we should be okay. Yeah, right now it's sort of like the to put it in a movie's perspective. Uh, right now, uh, Bruce Wayne is heading back to Gotham to fight Bane. So yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, right. After this getting is, his back broken or dislodged, really. Uh, yeah. Well, like Batman, we're coming back. So, yeah. But does that mean 2021 has got to go out ending up uh, flying the bat plane into the river and acting like we killed us all? And then 20 I don't know, but 2022, we're getting like two different Batmans in the same year yeah. and two different movies, and I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, uh, but that's a discussion for another time, folks. We uh, could do a whole other episode on Batman. Yes, we could just do a whole roundtable about comic books and movies. What's good? <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Anthony, thank you for being a guest on my show. Uh, oh, before I forget, do you have any social media that you want to plug? Yes, um, Instagram is my last name, N-O-T-O, Noto1031. Give me a follow. Um, and yeah, if you would like to collaborate, uh, DM me there, I guess. Yeah, I, I think at this point, uh, all of networking is basically just following someone on Instagram, just being lucky enough to have it, their DM zone. But I mean, it, either Instagram or Twitter or YouTube, what have you, and just lucky enough to have the DMs open and just like, hey, would you want to collaborate, blah, 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 and interview, blah, 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 and see where it goes. Yeah. It's just like, a, otherwise, it's just, it's just like a short shot of just being like, hey, you know, is it possible? Well, let me, let me end this with asking you a question. What are you going to work on in the near future? I mean, you did that film project when you were taking that class at Brooklyn College. You're going to continue doing that? Uh, oh, yeah, I, def I, I definitely do want to do that in the future. I definitely do want to. There's a couple of ideas uh, that are easily to do because I wrote it either before or after COVID struck. And they're very easy two minute, three minute pieces where it's just like some of it doesn't have words. Some of it does have words. But then not a lot of words to go with. It's very easy. One, two, three. But it's more along the lines of getting people to getting well not only getting people to get back into normal but getting myself back to normal where it's just like a lot of the times i do feel like there is a lot of like burnout just regardless of what i'm doing and that's why i really try and do this show every week or so release a podcast episode every week and then see where it could go with this so I do hope to actually do film something in 2021 that isn't a podcast episode. Well, I mean, podcasts are a great way to just stay creative. And if you're a creative type, all you have to do is just plug in the microphone. This one works really well. It was 20 bucks. You plug that into the laptop and you just, there's no, there's no gatekeeper to podcasting. Like anybody can do it. And it's just a great way to just, you know, talk into the ether and, and just interview people just like you're doing. I think it's it's great. And if you keep it up, I mean, it could turn into something really fun. I'm hoping so, uh, but yes. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, thank you for being on, on today's show. Uh, <laughs> check out his short film. Hopefully it is out by the time this episode is released. If not, then uh, give me hell and just say, Brian, when is this show coming? I mean, when is this movie coming out? I would have to <laughs> tell him and actually say, when is this movie coming out? But yeah. If, yeah. Maybe this you'll come been... out with your movie before, <laughs> before that. <laughs> we should interview uh, you. Uh, but yeah. Oh, me being interviewed is going to be like the last, last, last episode of the show. If I ever want to end this show, that's the last episode. It's me. Right, being... well, 
Well, if you want, but, if you need an interviewer, I'm I'm available. All right. That has been episode right. 10 of season four, meaning that has been episode 40. Oh, my God. But, yeah, enjoy this episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to check out our our Instagram at the TPA show, uh, our Facebook at the TPA show, uh, our website, the t- uh, uh, www.thetpashow.com. But, yeah, enjoy yourselves, and thank you for coming by and all that stuff. Take care. <laughs>